your your Venn diagram of your life and your lifestyle and your life preferences and it is overlapping with so many other people's like Venn diagrams that mm-hmm. you are meeting. I, for example, had never been around as many veterans as I was on the trail and. I walked away with such a different understanding of coming home from a war, a war and yeah. and what it feels like to return to society after that. So I, that was something for me, for example, like a, a community that I just had not spent much time around and feel so enriched. By the, I feel so privileged. Through podcast. I'm Erin Egan, and this is the podcast where I talk to experienced through hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a through hike. Today's episode is a continuation of my conversation with Spur, known off trail as Jake Carr. In today's episode, we dig into a little psychology the amazing gift when you give yourself permission to try, the importance of diversity and representation on the trail and the difficulty of transitioning back to real life after being a superhero for five months. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com, through spelled T-H-R-U, of course, where you can also find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. In a quick housekeeping note, All previous episodes on the website have now been remastered. Enjoy the continuation of my conversation with Spur. What about any sort of mental depression or, or sort of at loose ends as to what to do next? And I would say for me, coming home was almost harder than the hike. And I'm very, very fortunate to have parents that supported me and that I could go stay with after all this. Cause I mean, I had just, I just moved across the country, you know, to California, then back to Cleveland. And I was really out of cash and I really am lucky that I could stay with them. It was very humbling and very difficult, especially after I spent the last decade of my life being a success, you know, successful in my profession and being an independent adult to then in my early thirties, come home and live with my parents in my childhood bedroom. It was very difficult. And that sense of going from ultimate freedom where you control every part of all of your day. And now all of a sudden I'm in my bedroom that's decorated from when I was 10. That, <laughs> yeah. It that's put, a movie it, right there. Sure, like it, 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 it bummed me out for sure. It was really hard coming back. And I, I knew that I was applying for the job in Alaska, or I had the goal that I was going to apply for the job in Alaska. But even that didn't start. I, I knew that even if I got that, it wouldn't start for another six months. So I was still yeah. going to be sort of figuring it out. And um, then I, and I, I got a job painting houses randomly i was a blue collar man for a second but yeah it was really you 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 kind of do like lose some ability to talk about it with people it's so profound and it just infects that sounds like a bad word it encompasses every part of your life and your day that 
there's so many things that you want to share and so many questions that you hope people will ask you that nobody's reading your mind and they're never going to ask you all the things. But I, then I would feel guilty if I talked about it too long all the time. So I didn't want to like bore anybody with, but I, but it's all I wanted to talk about every second of every day, which is a couple of years out is still pretty true. But yeah, adjusting back to schedules and jobs. <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was a challenge. It was really hard. I would for sure say that. Yeah, acclimating back into my life. I, mean, I guess I'll phrase it this way. When I threw hike again, I know one of the prerequisites for myself that I know I need is I need the, enough money in the bank to support myself for a couple months while I'm resettling back into my life. And I need to have a plan. It can't when I hiked, it was the right time for me. It was when I needed to go. It was when my it was the biggest thing that my soul needed, and I it would have been a huge mistake for me to wait another year to do it. But that was also based on a very specific set of circumstances, and I had just set all of my career aside to move. So I my career was already on pause. So I didn't have a job to leave. I didn't. It made so much sense. But next time I know, I need to be ready. I need to have my transition back into life plan ready because I definitely feel like I became this brand new person on the trail and then took several steps backward coming home. I've heard that from a number of people and or that the things that happened for them mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever on the trail, the plans that they had for when they got back didn't fit right anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They had so profoundly changed. And so it was kind of fitting themselves back, you know, I think you would use the analogy in, in your email, but fitting the uh, the square peg back in the circular <laughs> hole, yeah. right? it just didn't quite work. Yeah, absolutely. I forget. I wish I remember who said this, but there was a, a, a quote that I came upon when I was home sort of reacclimating. It was exactly that thing. Like, yeah, you're, you've come home and your piece no longer fits in the puzzle. And it's, it's so true. And yeah. It just every it's this weird thing of every day feeling like a magical adventure to sort of I don't want to say mundane, but just felt regular again. And I don't know, I wanted to feel like a superhero every day again. So, yeah, like I I just I know that for me, I need to have a game plan. And I guess still going in with the with the mentality, you're, you're absolutely right, like being flexible that this game plan totally might change while I'm out here and I might have a new direction to spur off from. But Mm -hmm. if that moment doesn't happen, I need to have the peace of mind of knowing that I have a life that I'm ready to that I'm rip ready and raring to go for as soon as I get back because you do finish with just this momentum, this energy. And I want to be able to write or produce whatever content that I'm looking to produce. And yeah, I I, want to set myself up for success in that way. I can't be coming back to this nebulous now what time it was that was very hard. It sort of deflates everything. It kind of did. And it, and it was, and then it starts to feel like almost, did that really happen? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. After, after a couple of weeks, I just go in to do the, you know, nine to five job. It's just, it felt like a completely other life. That was me weeks ago. So yeah. There's, and time there's... sucks away. Like it, it's so, I know for me personally right now, time passes so fast, mm-hmm. you know, a week goes by like that. Um, and then you're all of a sudden, you're like, did I do the things that I wanted to do that week? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's a month gone and now we're in February and mm. fast. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I agreed. Yeah. So I, I, uh, 
that's a, I, I think that yeah, that's a really smart question. Just about yeah, what what was the transition mood or experience like? Because that's it's not something that people that aren't. I mean, obviously, this is something that you're very that you're invested in and that you've been yeah. sort of going down the rabbit hole on for some time. But for people that haven't thought about it, it the, the transitioning back into life doesn't seem. When people ask about what the biggest challenges were for me on the trail, one of the things I say is coming back home. And mm-hmm. that comes as a really big surprise for some people, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, they haven't had the experience of being out there and being a superhero. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? And then you sort of hang up your cape and you walk back into life. And, you know, like, what is that? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. How do you transition being a superhero into life? and into what you do next and and how you have evolved. Yeah. And, you know, there was maybe like in the last month or so of the trail, people, a lot of conversations were pivoting to what and (laughs) people are starting to freak out a little bit about money or people are, or their timetables or I have a job I got to get back to, or I have a partner at home or our kids or whatever. the, The gears really shift. And one of my really good friends uh, this guy Estes, who uh, who I hiked with for a while, him, but uh, a couple other people said something to the effect of, "I don't really want to spend too much time thinking all oh, that happens next. If it, it's taking that that for me feels like it takes away from my time out here. Like I'm not fully appreciating being here if my mind is mm-hmm. worried in the what next. But and that makes complete sense. F- for me, it was sort of the opposite. I felt that by spending time thinking about the future, I was like honoring the momentum that I had and I finished with so many writing projects that I wanted to work on and meals that I wanted to cook and I wanted to eat healthier and just all the, all the things that I was ready to put into my life that I I felt that by figuring out how can I take adventure forward and how can I take Mm -hmm. wild new choices forward? That to me was honoring the time. What better thing to think about while I'm out here looking at the trees than how these trees can inspire what happens next, I guess. So I definitely did invest some time. And then it ended up kind of just becoming a, a, a quicksand trap a little bit for me in Ohio for a bit while I was, I was also then dealing with some other realities of divorce and, and that sort of yes. thing. So th- there were other irons on the fire, I suppose. But yeah, I just, I'm next time I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to through hiking again, where in that last month, I'm both feeling, man, this is so cool. I'm so lucky. I can't wait to get to do one more month of this. And also when I go home, I am so ready for my life. And yeah. I'm I'm launching. Totally. I that it's a catapult spot. And like yeah. it wasn't for me last time. And that's fine because I went when I needed to go. And you gotta say yes when the when the call comes. But yeah, n- moving forward, that's a prerequisite for me for a long hike. And luckily there's so many more hikes to do. Ah! Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> Did you get a lot of like trail magic, trail angels, that kind of thing? And oh my gosh, it's just the most wonderful thing. It's it's. <laughs> I mean, I started with a pretty dark view of humanity. My I, my best friend and the closest person in my life just uh, sort of crumbled me up and tossed me away. So I was in a very dark place of feeling that, and you know, there was also the right around the time of a couple months after an incredibly tumultuous election where, you know, people had very strong feelings one way or another. 
one way or another, there was just turmoil, I guess, in the world. We were mm-hmm. on the trail when Charlottesville happened, when there was the massive. So that really spread about, there was, you know, a lot of, as there should be, I think everybody in our country should have been talking about that. And it was so wonderful to be in this experience where you are seeing, where people are giving of themselves, expecting nothing in return. And that's true generosity. And I think that is something that you so rarely come across in the world. A stranger that is doing something for you that you didn't ask for. Mm-hmm. And the only thing they expect back is appreciation. There, there would be some times when we'd come across trail magic and there would maybe be a section hiker or a weekend hiker with us. And they would try to pay the trail angel some money. And which is totally nice, wonderful gesture. Yeah. But of course, the trail angels always would turn it away. No, no, no. Or, or be like, okay, I will take this as a donation. When I run back into town, I'm going to buy a, a case right. of beer for the next set of hikers or whatever. So reinvested it back into the magic. But that this is not about a transaction at all. The, the currency we are transacting is graciousness and appreciation and respect. And that is the only currency we need right now. And that did so much for my heart at that time, mm-hmm. <laughs> really, and my opinion of humanity and the, <laughs> and the propensity for people to be kind and good. So, yeah, we, we lucked out at the beginning. So I started in the major bubble one of the okay. big bubbles at the in right. southern part. So we really got spoiled for the first couple of weeks hitting trail magic every couple of days. And then, you know, you almost feel like offended when it's not not <laughs> when it's not there. Cause you start to figure out, okay, my it's guidebook says Yeah, uh, I'm at the top of this mountain. I know there's a parking lot down there and it's a Sunday afternoon. So I know there's gonna be like maybe. And then when it's not there, it's almost like a sting. And then you yeah. come, but then it's also wonderful because then you forget that it's going on or you just don't expect it. And then when it shows up again, it's crazy. No, I really lucked out with some great magic, you know, trying What's to your best experience with that <sighs> or one that, that is memorable for you at this moment. Yeah. So I'd say a, a quick memorable one is there's there was this older couple named Granny and Old Goat. I would guess they're maybe <laughs> their 60s and 70s. They had a daughter who through hiked a handful of years ago, okay. the same year as her now husband. So they're, they're, a lot of angels, you know, are connected to the trail in some way. So they had a daughter who had been on the AT and I ran into them four times. They did four five tra- times, four times. They did five trail magics over the summer and I just happened to hit their spot on the day they were doing it four times so every time i saw them again it was just like wow so that was just that was just statistically that was just crazy but so that there was that there was a time when i in maine my phone had just broken and i needed to sort of these people that catherine and steve these two people that run this wonderful hostel outside of rangeley maine called um hiker hut it's just this little oasis in the woods. It's on a butterfly migration path. So there's these beautiful beds of flowers and just butterflies flying everywhere and hummingbirds and just a magical little place. And they helped me get my phone taken care of and really like pampered me for the night. They actually mailed me, they make hand bound leather bound uh, AT journals. They mailed me once that was waiting for me when I got home. That was a day when I was just having really struggling and they really comforted me. But I would say the most memorable trail magic was actually one that I encountered by myself. It was just one of those crazy, I cannot believe that this is my life moments. It was 
Oh, I forget if it was maybe either New York or New Jersey. Decently far in. It was a rainy stretch. We'd been getting rain for days. I was ra- all rained, just all wet. And I don't remember what it was, but that morning I was just, it was just one of those mornings where you wake up in kind of a foul mood, a gray morning and that you're, you feel gray. And I'd been on a crying spree for something. I don't remember what set me off, but just something I was just like, my feet hurt. I'm just, I'm tired and I'm wet. And just, I was having a little pout fest and I was walking under an underpass. The, the trail kind of went across an overpass, but under the underpass, I could see like a couple trash bags of something. Mm-hmm. And I saw like, I wonder, I wonder what that is. I what that is. So, you know, only when you're through hiking, would you be wondering what's in the garbage bag underneath the bridge? That's not even on the trail, but Very I, went, true. I went and peeked and somebody had left a giant garbage bag full of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that were not completely stale, but also hadn't been left there that morning. And right. And it was just this, I was, I had just been in such a foul spirit, drenched in rain. And I was, then I found myself standing under an overpass in the middle of nowhere, eating a stale peanut butter and jelly sandwich that I found in a trash bag. And I just burst into laughter. There was just no other response. This was just, this is completely absurd right now. And I yeah I walked under that bridge just in such a oh mood and just burst into <laughs> laughter and um was then like crying from just like laughing until my gut hurt of which what a weird mm-hmm. weird place to find myself so yeah I never met that trail angel I don't know who left those sandwiches in that garbage bag but <laughs> that, somebody uh, yeah somebody <laughs> how random yeah. I mean and and probably the reason that they were there was because they weren't necessarily on the trail yeah. 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 A lot of times if people would leave things, but if it was right on the trail, people would leave a cooler of snacks. By the time you got to the cooler, the snacks were already gone or whatever. And yeah. Yeah. So that was just a very, very memorable, just where am, what is my life right now moment? Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of PB&J. Yes. I was reading your journals and you have a journal entry that is sort of like your normal day. (laughs) So I won't spoil it for anybody because they can obviously read your journals and, (laughs) and, and get that. But one of the things that seems to feature very prominently in that journal entry is pop tarts. Sure. And, <laughs> and, and I, and I wonder, cause I hear pop tarts from a lot of people. Yeah. And I, I'm wondering if that was something that like through your research beforehand, you're like, okay, everybody keeps talking about pop tarts. So mm-hmm. pop tart, pop tarts is mm-hmm. the ticket. Or if it's something you evolved to while you were on the trail, because I very highly doubt that it was part of your normal day-to-day routine before that. No, I don't like, well, I don't enjoy eating breakfast as a regular person. I I'm, I like to be up for a little bit before my stomach is ready to digest anything. I used to be a competitive swimmer and like the early mornings where you'd have to wake up and like yeah. chug an energy, like a boost drink or whatever, just, oh, I really have to, cho- <laughs> I have to like choke down food in the morning. So I knew... I thought I was going to, I brought more oatmeal, but I, I, as a lot of people do. And, but I just was never, maybe other than a handful of times, I was just never in the mood to get my stove out in the morning. I didn't want to boil water and I didn't like, I know some people would eat it cold, cold cold soaked or yeah. And, and people would, you know, make clever morning, like mixing some oatmeal into a packet of ensure breakfast mix and then some like powdered coffee and some water so you have like a caffeinated energy 
uh, just foul. <laughs> I tried that exactly once, but I thought I was going to have the will to get out of stove. Never. So pop tarts, it just, it just checks all the boxes for me. It's something I can nibble on while I'm breaking down my camp. I also was, I didn't like to luxuriate in the morning, I guess I wanted to, once I was up, I wanted to get going kind of. And especially when I was with people that were just faster hikers than me, it kind of helped my mindset to know that yeah so it it was something that i didn't have to make a long morning of you get four of them for like a dollar or two dollars so it's such a cheap meal they're about 400 to 500 calories per packet so pretty decent breakfast intake Mm -hmm. even when they get smushed and crunched up you can then just kind of shovel them into your you know (laughs) like shake it into your mouth and my beer and then i don't know comb through my beard to pick out all of the like (laughs) scraps and like my rat's nest but yeah it was fast cheap easy high calorie it just made sense for me and i was yeah and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of flavors totally you absolutely so although i i whittled my way down to i whenever possible well brown sugar cinnamon is always my favorite but also i really i became a uh chocolate sundae or fudge sundae you know, I if that became my MVP, my fudge, mm-hmm. my fudge Sunday uh, pop tarts. <laughs> but right, yeah, I, I can't remember if I had pop tarts in my very first pack or not. But I mean, they're soup. You can smush them down. They don't take up a lot of space. It, yeah, it, yeah. it just kind of fit the bill. Everywhere has them. A gas station has pop tarts. So absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, did you do money resupply boxes, or did you sort of purchase along the way? Yeah, I just purchased along the way. There was, I found a post somewhere online. It might have even been, eh, maybe it was the truck that, that had a post of uh, on the AT. If you're going to do mail drops, here are the like five places we recommend that you do them. Everywhere else is totally, you know, so I, I, there was one or two things I sent ahead. Or if I was going to need something from home, if I was going to need this, I don't even remember what it, even a part of the book. Like I said, I was shipping myself portions of it if i was going to have my mom send me another little chunk of book maybe i'd be like you know i'll toss in some ramen and uh maybe like make some brownies and toss those in there too <laughs> uh so i would kind of add on to other supplies that i would be having sent me okay. more so than relying on drops i just mm-hmm. did not have the energy to figure it out i was so overwhelmed with everything, everything that, that the idea of planning things ahead of time was just like a no-go for me and then I realized, you know, anything that I would have been buying in the stores is really what I'm buying. I'd say I'm buying the same stuff anyways, and it's probably just as cheap. And this, you know, ramen is going to cost 25 cents wherever you are, generally speaking. Yeah. And I wasn't getting myself sent anything that I wasn't picking up regularly. And you want to go, I, I wanted to go into town to eat junk food and get a pizza or whatever anyways. So going into town was never, I guess, really much of an inconvenience for me. Right. And the AT is generally close to town anyway. So you're not going to have those kind of issues. Yeah. I would say sometimes you would have to get a 10 or 15 minute hitch, but that was not too often. Generally it was, if not walkable or on the trail within a five minute hitch. I know I've heard tell that the PCT, you have to do for sure more, more hitching and more. Hitching definitely is a bigger thing on the PCT. But I still am hearing people say they're basically shopping in the stores for the most of it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's maybe five or six places that you can't, but mm-hmm. 
but otherwise it's it's the same sort of deal. It's just getting into town is a little bit more challenging. Yeah. So it sounds to be and hitching was pretty easy on the AT. It's anybody who lives around there knows what season it is and everybody, you know, what they know who what, you are, what, these where, what town you are going to. Are for. Yeah. Yeah. So it was never too rarely was it too much of a challenge to hop in a car. But right. yeah, I just I didn't uh the the mail dropping, I don't know if it's the same on the PCT. I'm guessing it's maybe similar that a lot of these little towns, the post office is open. It's like Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from nine to one. And if you're not there, yeah. if you get there on a Friday, I hope you're ready to wait until Tuesday because so if you are relying on that or if there were some people that would get sand, tr- like would get vortex into a town because they were just had to wait two or three days for the post office to open. Yeah. And, uh, For me, as few regimented scheduled things that I could fit in, the the more open my schedule could be, the better. So I did not like having to wait around little little tiny post office times unless it was a bigger city where I knew it would be more reliable. And Mm -hmm. actually, now that I think of it, when I had stuff sent to me, I would get it sent to Outfitters. Oh, really? Yeah. The have you seen AWOL's AT guide? The there's like gut hook, gut hook and AWOL are the two big ones. Maybe there's a new one now that I've not heard of, but have you heard of the gut? I know gut hook. I've does definitely heard of gut hook. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a very similar, the okay. same idea. So, anyways, it, it and gut hook may say the same thing, but in AWOL's book, he would list what outfitters would accept packages for through hikers, and there was it was very user friendly. There was even a little form in the front of the book of like how to address something to yourself as a through hiker and. And send it so to the your, and... date range. Like I should be arriving between X day and X day. So makes sense and stuff. But yeah, a lot of uh, hostels or outfitters would help through hikers too. And that was those hours those of huge. occupation. Yeah. Yeah. And that helps to alleviate the, the postal thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Interesting. I, I hadn't heard that, that side of it. Yeah. That helped a little bit. Yeah. Hostels in particular were, I mean, they're super flexible. Usually hostels are kind of. Hippie they know the game. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. One of the things, so sort of two, two questions for you. One is, and this is something you kind of alluded to when you had uh, emailed us uh, mm-hmm. at the beginning, was being a gay man on the trail and mm-hmm. kind of how that experience was for you. Do you feel like talking about that oh, right a- now? Absolutely. Um, bring it on then. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I, I, trail diversity is a huge issue. And mm-hmm. in, in, in general, I would say over the, in diversity on multiple spectrums, I, I know over the last couple decades, there have definitely been more women, but it's still, I would say 80, 20 or less, yeah. or, or I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or more so on the male side over, the, it's crazy to think that over the five and a half months I was hiking, the number of people I call of color that I saw who weren't white. I could one, maybe two handfuls of people like it's, mm-hmm. it's so it's, it's very largely, you know, uh, white male, heterosexual, relatively financially, you know, there's some level of privilege for a lot of people to be able to get to take this time off and to have the money, you know, to right. be away from work and everything for a time. So just d- diversity in general, I, I think the more different voices we can get out there and the more experiences of people that can be in the woods, the better for everyone. But Absolutely. yeah, I met very few other queer people openly on the trail, um, which doesn't mean that there weren't people that just didn't mm-hmm. 
feel the desire or comfortable sharing. But as far as people who would share about themselves and their lives, it was rare. <laughs> and I just was, I would have really loved to hear more stories about what brought other queer people out to the trail. Cause it's not historically a place that we see ourselves represented, you know, <laughs> in, in, in the media and in just sort of colloquially yeah. and anecdotally, it's, it tends to be a very masculine, traditionally masculine space. And I mean, this is changing now, but even so to say, some of the people that I know who would have been into potentially would have been interested in Boy Scouts growing up. It isn't until recently that gay people are even welcomed into the organization. When I was growing up, that was, if you were a person that, Openly that, gay. that, yeah, that, that was, in, that, that was important to you or you weren't welcome. So there's yeah. a whole generation of people where that's changing for now for the better. But I didn't feel welcome even before I came, e even before I, I, I came out when I was 18 in college. So even when I was younger, before I was ready to admit that to myself, there was, I was interested, I was intrigued at things that Boy Scouts were doing, but there was still something of me feeling like I'm not welcome in this space. Right. It's, it's just, sometimes it's really hard to Imagine yourself in a space if you've not seen yourself represented in it before, which I think as a culture right now, we're having some really important moments like that. I guess this is kind of a maybe a weird tangent, but like Black Panther, the movie for for like little, you know, for, for young black kids in America to see themselves being the superhero, to see themselves being the good guy saving the day or Wonder Woman. I actually saw Wonder Woman when I was on the trail and there was a little I was while we saw Wonder Woman. There were these little girls in the audience watching this badass female warrior conquering the world. And like, we didn't have, I didn't have that when, you know, when we were growing up. Very and true. And like, very true. If you don't see yourself represented in something, especially something where you can feel heroic, it's your people's minds don't automatically fill themselves in that space. And yeah. when I was researching stuff about queer, like gay, I just told you, my Google filled up with all the different mm -hmm. combinations of Appalachian yeah. Trail keywords I could think of. There are so little written about through hiking from a queer perspective. N not nothing by any means, but it would maybe be like a blog post here from 2014 or a comment on a forum there from 2015. I read a, there was a, when, when you, even the other day, I just searched again just to see if anything has been written more recently, sort of hitting those buzzwords mm -hmm. or like those keyword searches at least. And one of the only, like the first things that pop up was a post some guy wrote from five years ago, a straight guy about how he talked to a couple gay people on the trail and they felt totally fine. So it must, so it, being gay on the trail doesn't affect your experience at all. I'm like, okay. I mean, that's just the most reductive thing. But that was one of the first search results that came up when I searched yeah. gay Appalachian Trail was some white guy five, or some straight guy five years ago saying, ah, they're fine. It's fine. Yeah. But there are the, you know, times where you hear, in my general life, I have sort of tried to surround myself not with people that offhandedly call each other fags or this is gay, mm -hmm. that's gay, that sort of thing. But it was not, there's definitely a bro-y culture on the trail at a certain point. And sometimes fitting yeah. into that fratty culture was more difficult for me than acclimating to like living in the wilderness. And <laughs> honestly, like... How ironic. <laughs> and I, I went to a very uh, Greek school, or there was a lot of fraternity and sorority life in my college. So I'm sort of familiar with some of that personality, like the traditional sort of alpha male personality type that comes along with it. 
and I don't mean in any way to like make a blanket statement that that is a bad thing whatsoever, but you would be that when you asked the kind of earlier, do, would people comment on your pack? Would people make those types of things? Yes. Yeah. And the, and it tended to be very bro guys who felt that they had the answer to everything. And if only you could let them explain to you the knowledge that you've so sorely been missing, your life would just yeah. be so much better. And that's a mansplaining. But I love that you literally just said that because <laughs> from a from a woman's perspective, yeah. <laughs> we get that a lot. I imagine so. Yeah, I, mean, yes. I do not need to explain that. I'm sure. But, not at all. But you know, so there there was those, and and kind of coming along with that, you get a lot of homophobic jokes, and you get just sort of a dude, your tent, your your tent was touching mine last night. You trying to tell me something? Ha ha ha. Those kind of jokes and people calling me, yeah, just like the offhanded fag getting tossed around, which makes my skin just like want to crawl off my bones. And several times people made comments to me about when they would find out that I was, uh, you know, when they went, for whatever reason that, you know, I would make a reference to something that would identify me as a gay man. And they would say, I wish I had a more exact term or phrasing, but this was said to me several times you should feel really good for yourself that you're out here because like gay people can't do this. There's like, so there's like, there's not really gay people out here, which means that this is just something that like gay guys can't really do so much. So you should feel really proud of yourself. And I know that in their head, they thought they were complimenting me. That is so offensive. And if anything just made me be like, nothing will stop me from finishing this hike. If my leg snaps in half, I'll consider stopping, but like, I'll drag myself. Yeah, I will, I will pull my corpse with my fingernails. Like nothing yeah. is getting me off this trail. Cause it's people think that they're saying a compliment to you, but it's just so undermining. I don't know if you've ever had like a, you know, as, as a woman had, so, you know, in a, in a professional yeah. context or something. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But, yeah. but on the flip side of that, so you're with these people for long periods of times, hours and hours and hours, days and days mm-hmm. and days. Did you likewise have an opportunity for profound conversations about it? I tried with to. With people who, you know, maybe wouldn't have necessarily I think had those kind of conversations. Absolutely. And, and that was something that became special to me on the trail. And something that I've tried to take moving onwards from it is I am so open to dialogue and conversation. And one of the best parts of a through hike is that you are so out of your usual circles, your, your Venn diagram of your life and your (laughs) lifestyle and your life preferences. And it is overlapping with so many other people's like Venn diagrams that Mm -hmm. you are meeting. I, for example, had never been around as many veterans as I was on the trail and I walked away with such a different understanding of coming home from a war of war mm. and yeah. and what it feels like to return to society after that so I that was something for me for example like a, a community that I just had not spent much time around and feel so enriched by the, I feel so privileged with people sharing such personal things and um I hope that I was able to maybe give a perspective for some people who you know you can really, you can kind of tell, I, I don't want to, I don't speak for all gay people and I know that, but you can kind of tell when you're talking to somebody who's not usually, who's not fully comfortable asking you, really engaging with you on that level. Like if we'd be having a conversation and everything would be flowing smoothly, then I reference my ex-husband and now all of a sudden it's almost just like a record scratch of like, ah! 
And <laughs> that moment, then you kind of have the, how do we take the moment forward from here? And mm-hmm. I think I had some really wonderful conversations with people. And I hope that I, you know, especially if but the next time that came yeah. up in conversation with somebody, it wouldn't be the record scratch. Yeah. It would just be, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tell me about this relationship that you had yeah. or tell me about this experience that you had. Or, or the next time that you hear somebody getting called a fag, hopefully your skin crawls the same way because now you yeah. know somebody who is a decent human being who's just living their life and trying to be happy and make other people happy. Hopefully now when you hear something like that, it registers. And yeah, yeah. and th- there's just such a danger of overgeneralizing experiences when you're like a t- when you become like a token of a community. Like... Hmm. I heard a couple people also make comments along the way because there were so few people of color. Mm-hmm. I heard s- several comments along the way of people explain of, of two white people talking about why there's no black people out here, which mm, s- a worthwhile conversation to have. Absolutely. But the things that would be said, like, for example, a good example of it, somebody would be like, you know, I was talking, you know, yeah, there's just, there's no black people out here. And I was talking to this guy the other day and he said that the reason that is because X, Y, Z. So that's why none of them are out here. And it's just like, anytime you're saying of them or those people, like anytime you're trying to generalize to any group of people, you're already stepping into some pretty murky water. But if you don't see any people of color out here and the one person of color tells you, well, this is why I don't think we're represented it's a dangerous thing to then transfer that onto, well, black people just don't like to hike, the whole... you know, and that's just so misinformed. And, and especially when you start getting into race and class, there's also the reality that slavery existed a couple generations ago. And while white people were having a fun weekend camping in the woods, if a black person was allowed to attend, it was so they could carry the gear. Like yeah. if we don't have the culture, not all cultures have the traditions of being in this space for recreation. And mm-hmm. So there's, there's a lot of very, it's a really rich conversation that needs to happen of, so that we can find out how to make more people feel like this is a space for them. And it, you just got to be really careful that when one person tells you their thoughts or their experience, you're not tokenizing that to everybody else. That's why Definitely. representation is so important. Everywhere, pretty much, Absol- let alone on the trail. Absolutely, a thousand percent. So yeah. I've, I've definitely, you know, taken to being very... I guess as vocal as possible because it's for you too. You know, it's for everyone. This is our country. These are our woods. Like this is our land. And yeah, I just, everybody should have the opportunity to have that experience of walking, hiking for five, five and a half months (laughs) Mm -hmm. and what that does for you and to you. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes just the simplest thing of seeing somebody else who looks like you or acts like you or has an experience like you in some way, seeing that person be like, oh, that person did that. Interesting. And I've actually Maybe had a I couple, could. I've had a couple of gay people, friends of friends or tangential people reach out to me since then and say, I actually helped one guy last year. He didn't end up finishing. He got, he got like 600 miles, but I helped a, a you know, a fellow Chicago theater gay practice for his, uh, uh, through hike last year. And, um, that's super, super special for me. I, I'm, I would help anybody that wanted to hear about the AT. I would help anybody prepare, but particularly when it's someone who historically is not represented when they start scratching that itch. Oh, it just, my heart grows five sizes. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. What was your best time on trail? Like what was your best uh, experience, your best moment? Uh, your, your 
So many, right? Picking a child. Oh my God. <laughs> um, best experience. I know this is, seems like such a, such an obvious thing. I, I would say of, of all of the moments, if I could boil it down to I, just you know, one, really one, but I, 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 I think I do know what that is. So much of the hike for me was about healing and about processing grief and about mm-hmm. just, yeah, real, real healing. And there was a day in Pennsylvania that, so Pennsylvania for me was the hardest state. It's, you know, the midway point. So you've already accomplished so much, but you still got so much more to go. And it's so <laughs> rocky. And yep, I heard that. Oh, just every day, my your ankles and your feet are just pulverized. And like, I know a lot of people who skipped Pennsylvania, like when, when people gave up, still wanted to hike, but we're like, I'm not through hiking anymore. And now I'm just sort of like, selectively hiking. Up. yeah a lot of people skip pennsylvania and i get it like it there's not much in the way of massive payoffs you're not seeing grand vistas you're just kind of in the green corridor of trees and rocks and i was i was really struggling in pennsylvania just with like foot pain and 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 that sort of you know the mental hump of getting over the middle and then there is this day where you come out onto these giant these open rolling farmlands which just felt super mm. iconic american farmland and i'm from uh, outside of cleveland so farms and farmland is kind of that feels like home for me in a way and you're also it just any change of scenery it's all beautiful but anytime that you're not just looking at trees it's just nice to (laughs) like a field a different field it's just something else to look at so there was just this day when i woke up and was just kind of through with the rocks of pennsylvania and then you just burst out into these fields and just the the air and the sunlight really hit me. And then I came to this little town. It's called Boiling Springs, Pennsylvania. It's a sort of like a resort town, kind of there's little houses along this mm-hmm. this natural spring. And just the it, it had been raining and it was just one of those perfect, beautiful, sunny days after a stretch of rain where you just feel like your entire body being recharged. That your your battery is just getting like you're plugged yep. directly into the power source. And I stopped at this bench and was staring at this lake for probably like 45 minutes. I was, this was a a section where I was by myself. So I wasn't really paying attention to anybody else's pace or speed. And I was just hit with this overwhelming feeling of there is no other place in my life that I would, there's nowhere else in the world that I would rather be than here in this moment with my company right now. And it was such a profound feeling of that, that I still had a lot of things to process, but it was this feeling in that moment, I let go of so much of the pain that I had been carrying and the feelings of being wronged and being treated unjustly by someone I loved and trusted. It just melted off of me because it was just this understanding of like, I am so thoroughly happy and content and so proud of myself I couldn't be feeling this way if I was still living through that pain. I would never be able to feel this if I was. It's time to start letting it go. And I hugged myself and I just kind of like hugged myself for a little bit and let my, you know, and just felt so proud and really just felt in this tangible sense, it's time to really start moving on. Like I I am Mm -hmm. ready 
to let it go. And there is because there's a danger, I think, sometimes if you are wronged, that you can stay in that pool for too long. The water feels really good to feel like that you've been treated unfairly. But sometimes even when people show you sympathy and you get to feel right and justified and vindicated in some way. But you got to get out of that pool eventually. You can't feel sorry for yourself for too long. And in a lot of ways, I feel like the trail got me through years worth of grieving in five months. But <laughs> in that moment in particularly, I was just, yeah. I'm so whole and complete in and of myself without anyone else right now. I feel like such a whole person. I'm ready to stop feeling hurt. Yeah. And yeah, that was a... I'm not a religious person or a spiritual person, but that is as close to a spiritual moment as I probably ever had in my life. Did it ever strike you that without all of that shit going on, mm -hmm. as, as painful and whatever as that all was, you likely probably wouldn't have gotten <sighs> on the trail and you wouldn't have been at that moment? It is like the mental gymnastics that I had to figure <laughs> out for... I, I still think about it and, but I, oh my God, I puzzle, I had to puzzle my way through that because you're right. I, I never would have done it. And I had left for the trail feeling like in regards to my relationship, I, I didn't regret it because I made the best decisions that I could based off of the information that I had. I didn't know I was being cheated on. I didn't know mm -hmm. financial things. XYZ were, was happening. Yeah. And so I moved across the country willfully, but also underinformed. So I don't regret it, but it was a huge mistake because it, the way that it panned out, what happened happened. Yeah. But I left for the trail thinking if I could do it all again, if I could, if somebody could snap me back six years or seven years or whatever to what I met this person, would I walk the other way, knowing how all of this is going to turn out. Mm -hmm. And for the first time I realized maybe not, maybe the AT is the greatest accomplishment of my life. And I don't think I ever would have had the strength or the willpower or the wherewithal to do it if I hadn't just been like decimated beforehand. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's, it is this weird thing where it's, it is both the worst thing that ever happened to me by far and has become, a, a, you know, and transitioned into totally rebuilding pretty much everything about my worldview and my life. I think universally for the better. It's wild. It was, it's a, it's a really <laughs> weird thing to wrap my head around. And that's a lot of what I'm still writing about figuring out that of like, you know, at some point or another, unfortunately, everybody's going to find themselves in a shit storm. You're going to find yourself just at the bottom of the bottom and you can either get trapped there or you can catapult forward because you got nothing to lose. And yeah, I is the biggest gift that I ever gave myself. I say I would say yeah. coming out of the closet when I was 18 and hiking the Appalachian Trail are the two biggest gifts I have ever given myself. Yeah. Those are pretty sweet gifts. Yeah. Yeah. No no uh gift receipt required. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no return to sender. No, no. Is there anything you feel like we haven't oh, talked about uh, or haven't said that that should be said that that needs to be said? Mm. Yeah, I would say the craziest thing that you have to <laughs> what's the easiest way of putting it you need to have mm, I, I, it is insane how accomplishable a through hike is it seems like this mammoth thing and it is this mammoth thing 
I was shocked at how many other people I met out there who similar to me had neck had no or next to no experience. Prior experience yeah. gets you into the first week. After a week, any prior experience you have has equalized. I mean, of course, there's going to be you're going to be better at hanging bear bags, and you're going to you get your time sent up faster, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, I think if you are able to carry your pack and hike with a full pack for about ten miles for a couple days in a row, and you have a fire in your gut, you can do it. It doesn't take that much of a prerequisite. It's not, it's not nearly as gated off of a thing as it seems like it's going to be. The trail right. gets, as somebody said this early on, and it's so true, the trail gets you in shape to hike the trail, both physically and <laughs> mentally. Like your body will break its way into itself. Your muscles will develop the way they need to. And mentally, you're going to come up with the skill sets and strategies you need to get yourself through the hard days. The trail will train you for the trail. Obviously, you need to know how to set up your tent. You need to know how your gear works. You don't need to worry about anyone else's gear. If you can hike a couple days with your pack, you can hike the trail. You can do it. You can do it. I finished with people who were in their late 60s and 70s. You can do That's it. Awesome. Which is insane. You know what I mean? That's yeah. crazy to me. So it is so much more doable than it seems like mm-hmm. it is. If you get, and if you, and if that said, I can't tell you how many people have come to me over the last couple of years and told me, man, I was going to do that 20 years ago and I had the chance, but then I said no because I, and I thought I would get around to it next year and then it just never happened. Like there's all these windows that you need to align at the right moment. There's the, can I professionally take off this time? Do I have the money for the execution as well as the money to not work for six months? Do I have Are my relationships such that I have this flexibility? If you find yourself at a place where those windows line up, just say yes. Leap, don't run. Or like like run, don't walk. Yeah. You you never know when these circumstances are going to align again. Skill proficiency does not need to be one of the major deciding factors as to whether or not you start it now. If the windows have lined up, you will learn how to do it. the PCT has some more technically challenging things as far as like, you know, ice gear right. and that sort of thing. So of course you need also be smart and don't, you know, you don't need to be, be reckless, but you do not need to be able to hike 2000 miles when you start. You do not need to be able to hike more than 12 miles when you start. You'll build it up. You don't need to be able to go. I had never hiked more than 12 miles ever with a full pack, without a pack, period. It is so doable. <laughs> I think that's the secret thing that not enough people say. They get caught in their heads. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I would say, yeah, that's, no, that's the true. one, the one, the one biggie. Nice. Yeah. So I guess what, what are having a, interviewed a handful of people at this point, mm-hmm. what are some, I guess, responses that have really surprised you about people's experience having accomplished it? I mean, I guess this, it's probably shouldn't surprise me, but the number of people who have, who get blisters, who, you know, on their feet, particularly, I mean, big, not just blisters, but like big, massive blisters. (laughs) (laughs) And they just keep hiking with it. Like it just becomes part of the, this is what you got to do. And in my head, as crazy as that is, because I'm like, well, if you get a blister, then you, you, you treat it, you do this, you do that. And I'm not thinking that they didn't try to do that but like that you just 
keep moving forward <laughs> with that thing. Yeah. And I'm just, okay, I, I have to mentally get myself around mm-hmm. that that's going to happen. Totally. And I, I think making peace with pain before you start yeah. is, is, is just, it is, it will be your friend. It will be a constant traveling companion. And it's like, you, it's impossible to know yeah. what it's going to feel like until it's happening. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think knowing, like knowing that it was coming for me actually helped because when it hit, it wasn't like a shock to the system. It hurt, but it wasn't like, oh my God, how could this possibly be going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Like knowing that it's coming really did help. Uh, I think that is such a smart thing to grapple with now. And I am like it. it I mean, the blisters is, is a, a very specific thing, but everybody talks about how much it hurts. You talk about how much it hurts. Just on a day to day, it's just, it's sort of white noise. It's just there. And last week, it was kind of funny. Last week, it sort of really hit me. I mean, I've been an athlete my entire life. Mm-hmm. I've, I've played through pain. I've had been in pain. I've been sore from workouts, like the whole thing. And last week, it was sort of like, this is really going to hurt. <laughs> this is really going to hurt. And it's not something that will go away after a week or, or whatever. And just mentally, mm-hmm coming to terms with that, mm-hmm. that it just is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a given. But it's, oh, it's just, it's so worth it. And the the the, the pain doesn't last forever. I think, you know, it's like our, yeah. it's the weirdest thing. I, I remember the times when I was hurting, but our bodies are sort of programmed to forget what pain actually feels like. You know, you yeah. can, re- the, you have the memory of the pain, but it's a, but your nerve endings don't remember in a way. And yeah, that, 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 that pain's not forever in a sunny day is no, the sunny day is coming. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's the other thing that like people keep saying is that as hard as, as it is, whether it's pain, whether it's just walking for five months, <laughs> you know, getting through the miles, getting through the, that kind of stuff, the, the things that they remember the most, the generally the best days experiences on trail are related to these moments that you just, you can't buy them. Like mm-hmm. you, you have to do the time, you have to do the walk, you have to, you know, and whether that's because you get to a, this moment at this, at this overlook where you just mm-hmm. all of a sudden see this beautiful sight in front of you, or it's an experience with other hikers on the trail where somebody pulls out a couple of musical instruments and oh. you have a sing along that you can't, oh my gosh. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but you, but you can't buy those moments. No, no. And 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 so many of like those special things when I, when I like the couple at the hostel that really helped me when my phone broke and just got me back on my feet. So many of the moments that just speak to me as these things that made my whole body glow were like the good days are only extraordinary because of the shitty days. If every day was great, <laughs> it would just be normal. It would just be a good another yeah. good day. But when you live through shit, it makes that that good sunny day just an exceptional exceptional gift and. Truly, so many of my most profound, positive memories were times when I saw something beautiful or felt something beautiful after I just made it through a bout of something really challenging. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I was literally just editing somebody's episode, next week's episode, actually, (laughs) or this coming week's episode. And and that was kind of one of the things that he said was, you have those shitty moments, Mm -hmm. but you know because you've had this experience of it, that if you just hang on oh. for the next day, for the next hour, even mm-hmm. like you could have this most profound experience and that's what keeps you moving forward. Absolutely. And during those shitty times, 
it's a great opportunity to work on yourself. Like for, for me, when it, my self-talk thing, you know, on a really shitty rainy day, that was a great day of practicing self-care. Never are you going to find a better time to be kind to yourself than on rainy, rainy, painful day. But it was a great opportunity to practice self-love and yeah. So you can, you, you can still use those shitty days as a tool and as a learning opportunity, yeah. but you do have to sort of look past the pain a little bit and look past the gray skies a little bit and see you're going to make out of it what you're going to make out of it. And today can either be miserable for the next eight hours, or I can try to walk away knowing a little bit more about myself under these circumstances that you cannot buy, you know, and yeah. So it's kind of kind of in that sense, it does come down to how what, what's what's your perspective on this going to be? Are you going to take it as an opportunity for growth or are you just going to see the pain for what it is? And I don't think that you will do that. You seem like a very insightful person. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to it. Somebody somebody jokingly said to me the other day, you've given yourself too much time to think about it. And I'm like, you're probably not wrong there. <laughs> Cause it's like a year away at this point, uh-huh. but it's also the fun of it. You know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's the perfect excuse for me to have these conversations yeah. with all, with all of you guys, you know, and, and to hear your stories from the trail, which are truly both informational and, and helpful in that respect, but also inspirational. Mm. Like when you get too much in your head or when mm-hmm. you feel too overwhelmed with it all, or you're like, is it really going to matter that much if I actually get out on the trail? Oh my God. It will you change know? everything. <laughs> yes. It matters exactly. the most. It's so good. Yeah. Exactly. What would you say your number one worry is at this point or, or, or r- rational or irrational? For example, I'm terrified of snakes. So like I, I hate snakes. <laughs> so it doesn't, yeah, it could be a big thing, a small thing, an irrational thing, a realistic thing or whatever. <laughs> Probably at this very moment, it's just the sheer magnitude of it all. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, there's the pain involved in it. Yes, there's the dealing with the snow. There's the dealing with the cold, which I absolutely hate. <laughs> there's the sure. hitchhiking into town, you know, and and the concerns of being a woman on the trail and doing that and the For safety sure. and the animals and, and all of that. But I think it's all kind of <laughs> wrapped up in and make and and condensed into this sort of the magnitude sure. of of the whole thing as a little overwhelming yeah if this is a helpful thing if this is helpful at all like one of the things i was really looking forward to about starting the trail was the singularity of it i was i was balanced just spinning so many plates in california just figuring out so much shit going on that i was so looking forward to having one task and it is and it felt mammoth but it is this thing that we have mammoth was a word that i read i forget in what but that was a word that some descriptor had in one of the first articles I read about the AT and that, were, that really it stuck with me, mammoth. But once you're out there, it doesn't feel like a million smaller pieces of a million different things. It is your one sole intention. You are walking north. Mm-hmm. Or I guess, I don't know, I presume you're going northbound. Or, yeah, I'm going to do Novo. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like you're spinning a million different plates anymore. It all just becomes one thing and all of your attention gets to be about this one thing. And it really does. It doesn't feel like a, your mind is being pulled in a million directions. It's such a consolidated, maybe the most consolidated feeling my life has ever had. Yeah. It won't feel that way. I'm guessing I can't speak for everybody, you know, but having talked to so many other people who have felt exactly the same way, a clarity will break the first 45 minutes you're on trail, it's going to make, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. 
for real. That's kind of that's that's comforting and also kind of crazy to think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know? I I probably learned more in my first twenty four hours out there than I did. The, I mean, it had, it had only been a couple months, but even still, the couple mm-hmm. months that I had been trying to consume as much info as possible, you just learn so much as soon as you're out there. And you're also going to see some people that are so woefully underprepared. Like, I felt like I was starting so far behind the learning curve. The very first night, there was a woman who was camping in a child's indoor tent and that she bought at Walmart and somebody else who had five novels with them. And I was just like, oh, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> like, I know there's a lot that I don't, what I don't know could fill a storage unit, but I'm going to be okay. Like yeah. the under preparation of some people will also, I think it, it, it'll kick into your head. of just like, okay, we're good. We're good. <laughs> we, we know what's going on. Uh, well, and that's the, that's the, that's one of the funny things that I hear about everybody. It's, it's sort of twofold. Almost everybody who gets on the trail they're on their first trail is as prepared as they are. They're not prepared. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And they, and they bring crazy things and, and do all of that, whether it's a child's Walmart tent or whether her feet were sticking out of it. Like, I just don't know what she thought was going to happen. Sorry. Please continue. It was just insane. Oh, that's a beautiful visual. Actually. (laughs) Just crazy. Sorry, I cut you off in the middle but of the no, yeah. no, I and I lost my train of thought for a second there. But but as as crazy as people as the things that people bring, you know, some of these some people are really, really prepared and they still are not really prepared. No. You know? Yeah. And even even going in with the idea of like, this is going to be physically very challenging and painful. There were for sure people who the particularly like these alpha male sort of traditional alpha male personality types who were just, yeah, I've hiked a ton before. It's not going to be a thing. This is just, it, it's going to be fine. Like, yeah, but it does not matter how quickly you can throw a bear line when your feet are bleeding like that. And, and if you're not strong in that way, it does not matter how long you've hiked. It does not matter what experience you're coming to the table with when you're, when your body is breaking down, that's all on you. And there is not a single bit of training that you've had in the past that's going to make you continue having the will to put one foot in front of the other foot in front of the other foot. And a lot of the people there, there were a handful of people that certainly started off with some arrogance of like, eh, I got this. Mm. I knew a handful of those people did not make it very far. Yeah. I, I think the the attitude of thinking that you can rustle it into what you what you want it to be or what you need it to mm-hmm. be somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and I think that is alpha, the alpha personality to some extent where you've always been successful by, by molding it into your vision. And what's so interesting about that to me is mother nature is a bitch. She is not (laughs) going to, could not, you know what I mean? About what you could care less. Yeah. So unless you figure out how to flow with it, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) she's going to chew you up and spit you out. Completely. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I, even going in with the mindset of being like, this is going to be hard. It seems crazy, but some people don't start off thinking that. And I think that is a big mistake. I mean, it's crazy to me that you wouldn't think that this is going to be a huge thing, but also if maybe if you've lived a life doing things like this and you've been around people like mm-hmm. this and you have had friends who have through hiked and know other people that have done it, but yeah, 
so which and maybe in some sense my blissful naivety was helpful because i was just like yeah this is gonna be crazy this is insane (laughs) like it felt insane so i didn't take any of that for granted i yeah (laughs) yeah so i think that that actually helped me roll with the punches more because i did not think i was above them in any way Mm -hmm. yeah you sort of embraced the that it was crazy (laughs) yeah yeah the the audaciousness of the of the task yeah i didn't want to pretend in any way that this was just it's just the weirdest thing some and again hike your own hike do your own thing Mm -hmm. some people talk about it like it's just a thing i gotta check off this list like i'm gonna do this one then i'm gonna do this one it's not even just like you're trying to bag all the fourteen thousand. like you're it's such a commitment it's that for me seeing this and if that's enough to motivate you to go on and to do it killer great but for me it just being an item on a checklist of like this is just this is a thing i will accomplish next Mm -hmm. oh how does that help you keep going forward in the rain that's not enough for me that's not enough fuel yeah when you wake up and your shoes are frozen oh my god and you have to like death claw them apart uh yeah but get the jaws of life to spread them open to get your mm. shove your feet in. <laughs> Crazy, but exciting. Oh, the best, best thing I've ever done. And that's part of what I love about this. And and in my normal life and and whatever I do triathlons, but I oh, love cool. the like the half mar- the half Ironman and the Ironman and stuff like that. The ones that are the longer ones, because there is a a piece of them which is, will you complete this? Mm-hmm. You know, there there's a little bit of uncertainty there, yeah. and and that's part of what's exciting as well about the idea of this through hike is there's a real possibility that you don't complete it for right. whatever reason, you know? And so the adventure of that, the finding out yes. of that answer and is really exciting. So few people put themselves up for a task that they might fail at. The yeah. fear of failure is so overwhelming that it just closes a lot of doors off before people even start. And I agree. I, when I started, I was, I would say I was 85% certain I could do the whole thing when I started. Mm-hmm. I was going to give it a go, but I was about 85% certain. And I would say a couple weeks in, it's, uh, within days, that started gr- increasing. I was just having such a blast. I'm, there's no way I'm going to stop. Unless, unless, of course, I get hurt in a way that I cannot continue. But right. as far as my willpower goes, it built for sure. But it's, there is something very... Um, almost electric about doing something that you might fail at and how exciting to live your life that way. Well, how boring it would be to only do things that you knew were going to be cake. That's to me is not a way of life that I want to have. And it's a way that I had lived, I think for too long. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. You, and, and part of that is because time passes so fast and you get caught up in the loop of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, like it, in the last year, yeah, basically in the last year for me, it, 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 there's been a quite, a, there's been quite a transformation in terms of my thought process about things, mm-hmm. you know, certainly about the through hike and that, and that's when I, you know, I've talked about this through hike for years, 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 <laughs> years, years, but, but the reality of it and the reality of saying it's going to happen come hell or high water, like this is what I'm doing. Yeah. For this summer in 2020, um, and everything else will figure itself out, you know, kind of came as a commitment in the last year. Oh, awesome. Congratulations. Mm, oh, thank you. So exciting. Thank Congratulations. You. Oh, it's such a, 
yeah, you're just giving yourself your 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 gift wrapping yourself the most amazing present right now. <laughs> and it's funny because I find that it comes back to which is the craziest thing to say out loud. And there's so many things in my life that have been related to this, but giving myself permission to have that experience, to do yeah. that thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. If it's crazy. Oh, sorry. Please continue. No, I, I was just going to say, it's crazy that you actually have, like, that I have to verbalize it that way, that I'm giving myself mm-hmm. permission to do it. Mm-hmm. But, but that is, it is what it is. Yeah. Something, some, something was on the tip of my tongue and it's, it's, mm-hmm. it flew the coop. Giving yourself permission. Oh, yeah. And I the, I think like the sort of articulation of that thought that sparked me on early was I, I thought adventure was something for some other people. Adventurous things were things that other people got to do. I could watch them from afar and I could marvel at them and I could say, oh, that's so cool. And, oh, wouldn't that be wild if? But ultimately, at the end of the day, that was for someone else's life. And yeah. I can say... Forever now, I understand that I can say yes to that for myself and that I can, uh, permission, I think is such a good word, that I can um, give myself permission to prioritize myself and to prioritize taking a gigantic risk and feels very good. <laughs> it's, a ha- it's a happier way to yeah. live. It's a more exciting way to live. And- yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I got to assume that along with that permission to do the audacious, to do the 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 crazy wild thing that you may fail at is also probably a level of certainty now that you have that even if something happens and it doesn't all come out the way you think it's going to, there's a, there's a level of certainty that it will be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Like that, that life is not over as we know it. If X, Y, and Z doesn't happen exactly how you think it's going to. And, and that level of certainty of, it will be okay. I will be okay. Mm-hmm. Allows you to push the boundaries in other ways. That's a cool way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm working on my first book at the moment and it's uh, AT related for sure. Mm-hmm. And it, I've never written a book before. Like, you know, I've written a couple <laughs> plays, you know, some like, which are writing dialogue is very different than writing prose, but like I've written, you know, some plays and so some scripts and, blog posts and a couple articles here and there but not nothing writing a book feels like a katahdin it feels like like another like Mm -hmm. massive mountain looming in the distance that i'm hiking towards but yeah absolutely it's 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 another one of those things where it's 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 a new thing and it could totally not work out the way that i hope it will and once you make especially once you make the announcement to people that this is something that you're working on there's there's like that other internal and external pressure slash motivation slash whatever to make it real and to manifest it. But writing a book is something I've wanted to do for so much of my life. And similar to finally applying for that job in Alaska that now has led me here to house it in the winter where I have the time and the space to work on the book. All of these things are me saying yes to things and giving myself permission to try something hugely new and give myself the space to let it like incubate. I would not be here doing this. I wouldn't. And and obviously I wouldn't be writing a book about the AT if I didn't hike the AT, (laughs) but I wouldn't be writing a book about anything. I would, I don't know if I would have the wherewithal to believe myself that I could realistically see this thing through from conception to completion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. 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 I'm going to, I'm going to close us off here. Absolutely. But I just wanted to 
touch base with you, like if people want to reach out to you and have questions and stuff like that, where would you like them to find you? Sure. So you can shoot me a message on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Jake Trex, J-A-K-E-T-R-E-K-S. And that's also my website, jakeTrex.com is the blog that I'm keeping about Appalachian Trail thoughts, as well as living in Alaska and sort of where my life has been propelled since hiking the trail. And I'm also going to be updating that with, with book things as well. So yeah, either jaketrucks.com, you can send me a message or or on Instagram. Um, yeah, Jake Trucks. I'm also super, and I mean this sincerely, if people have questions and for whatever reason, my voice sounded like it would be a helpful one to hear, yeah, send me a message. Hit me up. Hit you up and mm-hmm. ask you some questions. Absolutely. Plum you for informa- for uh, inspiration. Uh, honestly, if I can be of help, I don't know a single person who has finished through hiking who's not so ready to just help s- spread the wealth around. This is something for all of us. Yeah. So like, yeah, however I could be hel- helpful voice. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so much for both reaching out in the first place, mm-hmm. but also, you know, coming on and, and uh, talking to me and talking to everybody else. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Show notes and links for Jake's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Jake for sharing his stories from the trail and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. We'd love to hear about your trail adventures as well, so please email me at hikingthroughpodcast at gmail.com or you can also DM me on Instagram at hikingthroughpodcast. We would also love it if you would find us on your favorite podcast provider, and leave a review. I'll see you on the trail.